Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW show where we hit on all of the latest and greatest topics of the week. And I am glad to be back in front of the mic talking to you. Of course, last week I had a one-show uh, one hiatus as I had a, uh event with my daughter in North Carolina for soccer, so I had to take her down there. My guy Schnitzel was good enough to do a combination show of the weekend warm-up and the post-game show after Germany's win over Costa Rica. That was really a loss, if you if you ask me. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that later, but wanted to give him a big uh, shout of appreciation for being able to do that. And uh, it was capped off a, a pretty good trip for me personally. I always like taking my kids on these trips uh, to watch them play soccer. But one thing that kind of struck me as as we were on this trip, and it had nothing to do with the actual sporting events, uh, as we were driving down, as you know, I'm from the Philly area, and in particular, Delaware County, otherwise known as Delco on the internet, uh, we have a great convenience store slash gas station, Wawa, where you can get just about everything in this region, right? So they have great coffee, you get your gas. They actually have decent food that they make fresh, so that's pretty cool too, plus all the normal stuff that you can get at convenience stores, including uh, beer now, which is awesome. Uh, <clears throat> but what struck me is one thing about a Wawa is that in Delaware County, you will see people using the trash cans as lunch tables or, or dinner tables or any kind of table. At any point in the day, it could be three in the morning and there's likely someone eating on top of a trash can, which sounds weird, but you see it all the time. And I thought this was maybe just a Philly thing or a Pennsylvania thing, but I hit the last Wawa in Virginia before you hit North Carolina. And sure enough, when I pull up, I get gas. We go into the store because I need to reload on coffee because I swill coffee the entire time I'm on long drives. Sure enough, there's a lady and she's using the trash can as a table. And I really wanted to walk up to her and ask her if she was from Delco, but um, didn't look like she wanted to be talked to. So I didn't, but I just thought that was weird. And if you are from this region in the Northeast of the United States, have you seen this? I mean, have you seen people using the Wawa trash cans as as lunch tables? Because uh, to me, I just thought it was a Philly thing, but now I'm thinking this has to be more widespread. Of course, Wawa is regional, so we have them Jersey, PA, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. And then I think it skips down to Florida, believe it or not. I, I think those are the states that have them. But uh, kind of weird, just a weird observation from my trip. I uh, was interested to see if any of you out there who might live in this region have experienced the same thing. Or if you yourself are one of the people who use trash cans as lunch tables at a Wawa. Anyway, uh, let's get right down to it because... There is just a ton to talk about this week, as you could imagine. Ugh, and where else would you start after last week and the dramatic flame out with Germany than with that squad? So let's hit our normal format, the five things that we learned this week. And what I learned was Germany was flawed and was never really that good to begin with for this World Cup. And that pains me to say, because I did believe in them. I believed in the talent on the roster. I especially believed in Hansi Flick, but man... They all disappointed. Everyone in that organization disappointed the fans. And I think you really have to look at things for what they are with this team. Um, there was uh, a real lack of urgency in just about everything they did. Every action they made. They, from the get-go against Japan, they looked like 
they were just going to go through the motions. And that was a big red flag for me and for a lot of people. And ultimately, that lackadaisical approach and that lack of urgency against Japan is what felled them in this World Cup. So let's take a look first at who's to blame for this mess. Obviously, we had the loss to Japan. Then we had the game against Spain, which was pretty bad for the majority until Flick made some changes at the end of the game, which really sparked things. And then we had the Costa Rica match, which Germany won, but, you know, it didn't really help anything. It didn't matter because Germany would have needed to completely dust Costa Rica, which they weren't going to do. They were not going to rack up 9, 10, 11 goals. And Japan really took matters into its own hands by beating Spain anyway. So it was really just a terrible, terrible show for the Germans. And to think about who to blame on this, First and foremost, you have to blame the players for underperforming. And a lot of you aren't going to like this, right? Because I'm going to criticize some of the people that have been put on a pedestal at BFW. First and foremost, Thomas Muller. I believe Thomas Muller was not healthy this entire tournament. I believe he came in injured. I believe he really wanted to play. And I also believe that his pre-existing injury prevented him from being able to be effective. And knowing that, I think Mueller probably should have evaluated himself or at a minimum worked with Flick to develop some kind of plan that if he didn't feel great, if he didn't feel like he was impacting the games early, that he could be subbed off. And sure, it's unfortunate because Mueller is one of the all-time great players for Germany. He's one of the all-time great players for Bayern. But he was not good in this World Cup. And in fact, you could really finger him as one of the people who was primarily at fault he could not impact the offense as a striker he really didn't ever feel involved in the games and that was a big problem because there were other players available who probably could have done more than Mueller and I say this as someone who thinks Mueller not just as one of the all-time great players for club and country but I think he's just fantastic and a lot of what he does you can't measure on the score sheet but none of that was there And he needed to own up to that. He needed to realize that. And he probably needed to work with Flick to remove himself. Because Flick, for what we know about him, he's going to stick with the guys who have done it for him. Much like Yogi Love. And that's someone who we criticized ad nauseum here. Flick could not differentiate the Thomas Muller of two years ago who was healthy versus the Thomas Muller that we saw in this tournament. It's really unfortunate. It is, because this could be Thomas Muller's last World Cup. It probably is his last World Cup. And to see him go out this way was sad in in so many ways, because he is one of the players that has taken the brunt of the blame, as he should. But maybe he should have never been in that position. If you want to look at other players who, like Muller, underperformed, you you could go through the gamut. I thought Nicholas Sula did not do himself any favors. I thought Antonio Rudiger was good. In some games, uh, not good in others. Uh, Kai Havertz, of course, was another player who came into the tournament sick, did not play well that first game, but had a really good sub-appearance in the third match. Leroy Sané was great in the second game as a sub, was not so great in the third game as a starter. Serge Gnabry completely underperformed. Leon Goretzka was not great. Ilkay Gundogan, I felt like, was a programmatic non-fit for the Germans. Uh, Yashua Kimmich, I thought was good, but not great. Uh, David Rahm has some work to do, uh, especially with his defending. 
the whole right back position, no one really usurped that and ran with it to the point where Flick had to use Joshua Kimmich as a right back there in the last game. So it, there was no one that really stood out. And I'm being honest. And if you want to look at who the best player was among all the Germans, of course, it was Bayern Munich's Jamal Musiala. But even the phenom is not going to walk away unscathed here because Musiala's, I hate saying it like this, but horrible finishing, the lack of an end product from Musiala was an absolute killer because he's so good at creating those opportunities for himself. He uses his quickness, his ability to shake defenders, to free himself up and get those opportunities, but he struggled with his finishing at the worst possible time. And he was so good otherwise in the tournament, but he just could not get himself on the board with scoring. He could not find a way to consistently get off attempts that had a legitimate chance to score. It seemed like all of his shots were just hit in a way that they were not going to be precise enough, hard enough, whatever. Something was wrong with all of them. And it's a shame because Musiala, as you can tell by reading any site on the internet, won so many fans with his performances. There are so many more clubs now that are eager to try and convince him to leave Bayern Munich than there were before the, before this tournament. So Musiala, for as good as he was, he hurt the team with his finishing, and there's no other way to say it. Um, he was really good otherwise, but it, 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 there are situations where you have to start making shots. And yes, he's a young player, and yes, he will get better. And yes, at the next World Cup in 2026, he will be the leading man for Germany, and he probably will start to deposit those goals. But this time around, his lack of, uh, of finishing really did hurt the team. Uh, Serge Gnabry, who I, I briefly touched on, I just thought he was ineffective. And this is what we've seen from Serge time and time again in his career. He looks fantastic, phenomenal, dangerous for stretches. And that's how he looked entering this World Cup because he came off a strong stretch of play for Bayern Munich. In the tournament, he never really got on track. He looked uncomfortable at times. He looked out of sorts. And he was much like Thomas Muller ineffective. And that, to me, is what you cannot have in a short tournament like this. Uh, when you're already carrying Muller's dead weight playing striker, you could not afford to have Serge Gnabry offering next to nothing as a wing as well. And to me, Gnabry is one of these players that's no longer should he be considered someone who is a definite starting 11 player. In fact, coming out of this, aside of Joshua Kimmich, I don't know that Germany has any definitive starters set up for the next World Cup cycle. Now, that's four years away. And of course, everyone wants to point to the Euro 2024 competition, which will be in Germany. It's the next big thing. I'm not even concerned about that at this point. I'm more concerned with how they look at the next World Cup and who will be there. I think Rudiger will probably be too old to be a starter at that point. Kai Havertz has a legitimate chance. Timo Werner, who while he wasn't on this squad, will have a chance. Uh, Leon Goretzka will also have a chance, but it seems like he has fallen out of favor for the country and for Bayern Munich as well. Uh, I don't think that Goretzka is a bona fide, no doubt, starter for the next World Cup cycle either. Leroy Sané, you would think, but he's very mercurial. We have seen him look great as he did in that sub-appearance against Spain. And we've also seen him be completely ineffective as well. We need to see more out of the players for Germany. We need them to be better. 
We just don't know who's going to be there the next time around. Heck, we are not even sure if Hansi Flick will be there. Now, we know that Flick is not going to resign. We also know that the DFA is not going to sack Flick. He will be sticking around. And that's good because I'm about to point the next finger of blame at him. Flick, for all the good things that he's done, for all the the great ways that he works with players, the communication, the relationship building, what we saw this week is that Flick probably isolated many of the players on his roster with a perceived bias for Bayern Munich. Now, whether you think that's legitimate or not, the perception was there. And once that perception seeps into a team, there's going to be a divide. And with that divide, you get things like a lack of being in sync on the pitch. You get a lack of uh, really team harmony. And I think that that's one of the things that plagued them. The other thing that I think you could probably point a finger at Flick at, aside of the tactical and strategic things which we will get, is the atmosphere around the team hotel. Now, for me personally, I will tell you, having the families there, letting the players be with their families the day before a game and all of the nonsense that that we read about on Thursday. I don't mind it as much. These are human beings. The players should be treated like that. I don't think it's 1950 anymore where you need to isolate these guys in a bunker and have them focus on nothing but football. I think that they it's okay to have a break. It's okay to, to enjoy the situation. The problem I think that a lot of observers, especially those within the DFA are pointing at is that it was too relaxed, that there was too much downtime, that there were too many people hanging around. And I can't comment on that because I wasn't there. I don't know if that was the case or not. But what I will say is I'm not going to let a little thing like having families visit or the hotel being nice and accommodating be an issue for the team. The team should be a lot better than that, whether that's the coaching staff or the players. uh, You know, it, it should be much better than that. But Sticking to Flick's actual decision-making and tactics. Uh, sticking with Muller was a big problem. Absolutely. Nicholas Fulkrug, while not perfect, was the choice. And it was obvious after that Oman warm-up that they had before the World Cup that Fulkrug, for whatever it was worth, was finding a way to put himself in positions to be a goal-scoring threat, whereas Muller was completely ineffective and, and out of sync. Um that was the biggest one, and I think everyone will point to that and say Nicholas Fulkrug should have been the choice. And I still firmly believe that, and I even wrote something about that before the uh, the Spain match because I, I felt like they just needed a change. And maybe that didn't even necessitate putting Muller on the bench, but it did necessitate a change of some sort. And it could have been putting Serge Gnabry on the bench, which would have been fine by me considering his performances. But back to Flick, uh, not using full crew, big mistake. Not settling on some sort of right back, big mistake. I preferred to see Lucas Klosterman, who looked pretty good against Spain, as the first choice right back. But whether it was Flick's lack of faith in Klosterman, whether it was uh, basically a a an injury that had lingered that had limited Klosterman. We don't know for sure because we really haven't heard that yet. It could be that Klosterman was too banged up, but not having an established right back was was a big problem. Uh, and then jumping around using Sula there one game and, and having Hoffman be a player that was in the right back rotation uh, prior to the tournament. I, there was just a lot going on there. And, and, and you know, 
Flick, one of the things that he struggled with was finding someone who could just be steady there. And steadiness for that back line was a key. And, you know, David Rahm, for all of his great things that he can do offensively, is not such a great defender at this point in his career and often found himself out of position. And while, again, he wasn't the biggest problem that Germany had, Christian Gunter might have been a player that would have been able to provide that steadiness that Germany needed on the back line. Even if he was giving you less offense, you have to trust your midfield and your attack to make up for that. So Flick not settling on those outside back positions, not replacing Muller with full Krug, not being able to recognize who was hot and who was not, and getting a player like Serge Gnabry out of the lineup who was giving you really not much at all. Those things hurt him. And it did, I would ensure this really widened that divide that was there about this alleged Bayern Munich bias, because at the heart of many of these decisions were Bayern Munich affiliated players, whether you're talking about Muller, Gnabry, Sané, uh, Leon Goretzka, who the issue with Goretzka and Gundogan we'll touch on briefly. Uh, it always seemed that Flick was making an accommodation, whether perceived or true, for a Bayern Munich player, even if you want to look at Sula, who Flick, of course, coached at Bayern Munich, using him as a right back. I'm sure that did not sit well with some players, including those those people who are right backs by trade. Now, the Gunduan Goretzka situation was very interesting because the report that we saw this week stated that Gunduan was extremely upset at being replaced by Leon Goretzka. Now, Gunduan, for me, uh, he did score PK in that in that first match against Japan, but I, I was ready to cut ties with him before Hansi Flick made this crusade to bring him back. Uh, Gunduan to me, doesn't fit the profile that Germany needs. He's not overly athletic, not overly fast. Uh, he is very good at c- helping control the pace of the game. But even against Japan, uh, the midfield duo of Gunduan and Kimmich, really, I, I felt like they struggled with the way that Japan played. I, I felt like that Gunduan especially was not able to really assert his own game into that because of the frenetic pace that Japan was playing at and the type of pressure that they were applying. I don't want to say that Gunduan was the, the the primary issue because he wasn't. There were many other bigger problems. I just don't feel like he was a, a fit for this squad this time around. I feel like Flick needed to go with that midfield pairing of Kimmich and Gretzka and ride that out because of that familiarity that they have and that relationship they had, it would have made things a lot easier for them working together in the midfield. And I do think that was another reason why Germany really couldn't get in the flow of things against Japan early or against Spain, because I do feel like there were some issues with how the midfield worked together when Gunduan was in the mix. So, In my mind, I know he won't be back in the next World Cup cycle. If I'm Flick, I'm probably looking to move on from Gundogan, even for this Euro Championship cycle coming up in two years, because I think you need to start looking for alternatives. I don't think Flick at this point is a big fan of Goretzka. I feel like he he played Goretzka a lot to basically keep him happy. and Because Goretzka, as we know, is not one to stay silent if he's unhappy about something, right? So knowing that, Flick probably fit him in where he didn't even want to. Um, But Germany has to do better. And and our guy Zippy did a great job of looking at the future of Germany's midfield and the lack of alternatives that are there. 
So you might want to check that post out as it's been on our site. Um, you know, Germany's going to have to start to develop some depth behind Kimmich and Goretzka. They're going to have to figure out a way to, to get players up to the level that they need to be, not just for the Euro Championship coming up in 2024, but also for the next World Cup. It seems like, oh, four years, you get a lot of time, but you really don't when it comes to developing a world-class player. You do have options where you could use Jamal Musiala in a deeper role as an eight uh, or six. We've seen him play both. Uh, so there are some alternatives, but that might hurt your attack, although you can assume that Florian Wirtz from Bayer Leverkusen will be an attacker that will be in the mix once he has fully recovered from his ACL injury. Either way, Flick deserves blame. The players deserve blame. They all deserve blame. So no one gets absolved from it. There'll be a lot of people that will put most of the blame on Flick. And and while he does deserve it, the players are the ones that went out there and didn't finish. They were the ones that played Japan onside. They were the ones that had some defensive lapses. They were the ones who ultimately did not get the job done on the pitch. Sure, it could have been better. Sure, Full Krug might have made a big difference and maybe powered this team forward. But that's why it's equal blame. The players and the coaching staff, they all deserve it. And I'm interested to see how you guys feel about that. So drop some comments in the who you feel like deserves more blame on that scale. I think it's equal to be to be completely honest with you. The second thing I learned this week is there's a whole hell of a lot going on with the World Cup that is not Germany related. And sure, I could talk another hour about Germany alone, but let's just touch on a couple of things that we've seen, including Brazil's incredible play. Uh, I will be the first to admit there are some players on Brazil that completely annoy me, including Neymar. doesn't mean I don't acknowledge that he is a fantastic talent and a great player. Uh, his histrionics are are one of the most annoying things to me in, in all of football. But this Brazil team, the way that they're playing, the flow that they have, how cohesive they are, they seem unstoppable at this point. And while I would say France is still probably the favorite right now, uh, Brazil is making a very strong case. And I think that the way that Brazil has presented itself, the way it's attacking right now, they are going to be very difficult to stop. And I know a lot of people point to Argentina as another serious contender. But uh, to me, when you're looking at this group of uh, quarterfinalists, I think you have to look at Brazil and France as the favorites that are left in the competition. And I'm really not sure anybody's going to be able to stop Brazil at this stage. Uh, Spain's failure, uh, and of course we're talking about being eliminated by Morocco, was fitting because that entire group that they came out of with, you know, Costa Rica, Japan, Germany, and Spain, they all, I felt like were not great. Now, Japan does deserve credit because they went out, they beat Germany, which is a huge thing for them. They played in a style that was very difficult. And, you know, you hear a lot of the terms like disciplined and blah, blah, blah with Japan. And sure, they are, but so are many other teams. I liked how frenetic they made things in the middle of the field for just about everyone. They made other teams uncomfortable. So that blueprint that they used against Germany was the same thing they used to to really fluster that Spanish, that touted Spanish midfield that's supposed to be so great. And they, they flustered them and really put them into a funk, which I do think affected Spain against Morocco. So all four of those teams being eliminated, Spain's obviously being the biggest shock of them all. 
uh, once you get past Germany, not even making the knockout stage. Uh, I thought it was fitting. I don't think Spain was really all that good. I thought that first game against Costa Rica was a complete anomaly. And yeah, I was I was correct on that one, at least. Uh, so Spain, I feel like they're in the same boat, and of course, as Germany. And of course, they already made a coaching uh, decision uh, where they sacked Enrique. So uh, for Spain, I, I think they are in a similar spot to Germany where they have to go back to the drawing board and figure some things out. Uh, especially with their own attack, because that that was lacking. And when you're relying on a player like Alvaro Morata to be your primary striker, you're pretty much in the same boat as Germany is at this point. Uh, Jasko Gar- Garvidal of RB Leipzig. So he has been one of the standout performers, much like Diogo Meccano for France. Two very good defenders who have gained a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, a lot of attention during this world cup for Garfield, he is one of those players who is con- consistently in the transfer rumors. He has been linked to Chelsea Tottenham Hotspurs also reportedly very interested in him, but it's been nice to see those young defenders like Garfield and Upamakano be able to come out and show themselves and, and really with all of the offense going on, be defensive standouts. It's very tough in this format you know, playing defense requires a lot of familiarity, a lot of communication. And it seems like that those two players to me, especially have really taken this opportunity, seized it and, and, and done really well. So the Bundesliga is indeed putting out some good players like Garvidal and, and Upa Meccano. Uh, and to me, it was just a lot of fun to see how they're playing. Of course, if you're going to uh, check out our BFW roundtable, you will see that I have picked Croatia as the next team I will support uh, RIP to Croatia's World Cup hopes, I'm sure, because if you go down my list of teams I've supported so far, it has not worked out well. Of course, Germany's flame out. Oh, uh, the SBN quiz told me I should support Denmark. They flamed out. The U.S. men's national team, of course, did pretty well to get out of the group stage, but they did not have enough really to to seriously challenge the Netherlands. So, Every team I support has gone down, and I'm going to apologize in advance, Croatia. I am going to support you. Hey, you're playing against Brazil, so, I mean, you're a long shot anyway. But maybe maybe I will have a reverse jinx and power Croatia to an upset of Brazil, which would not make me all that sad. The third thing that we learned this week is that Bayern Munich coach Julian Nagelsmann has narrowed down players into certain positions and they will be battling for playing time. And some of those positions, uh, you're going to find players not exactly where you would think. And let's start at the most obvious one. The number 10 position is no longer Thomas Muller's. In fact, Muller has, is not even the backup at the 10 anymore. He is moving to striker if this report is true. So what Nagelsmann is, is supposedly doing is taking a couple of players and isolating them at certain positions to have them compete for playing time. So at the 10, you'll see Jamal Musiala and Ryan Gravenberg. Now, Gravenberg came to Bayern Munich as someone we were told could probably play the role as a six, definitely play the role as an eight, but it might be a while just given his youth and the relative experience of the other midfielders on Bayern Munich's roster. Well, of course, Gravenberg has not gotten a lot of playing time because Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich eat most of it up, and Marcel Sabitzer has been pretty damn good as the third wheel in that midfield. So to me, this move of Gravenberg to being the backup number 10 is, is kind of intriguing because uh, 
it's almost saying at this point that he has some defensive deficiencies they don't think are going to be worked out anytime soon. And Gravenberg is ser- serious talent. He's very good in terms of his potential, but we don't know what he's going to be. And if I'm Gravenberg, my situation hasn't improved. Like I, I went from being the fourth wheel in the central midfield to backing up a player that's younger than me and Jamal Musiala. So I'm probably not feeling great about that either. I still think that Gravenberg is a player who, if he doesn't get on the pitch soon enough, and by soon enough, I mean by the midpoint of next season, if he is not an established starter by then, and I, I don't think he will be, I think he's going to look to move on because I just don't think he's got the patience for this. Um, but that's beside the point. Jamal Musiala usurping that role from Thomas Muller is, is a major thing for this team. It's a turning point in the club's history. And Musiala is the perfect kind of replacement for Muller. He can do so many things. He's such a talent. I still like him as a wing because I feel like he's just far more disruptive and effective from that wide position than just about anyone else on the Byron roster at this stage. But Nagelsmann is sticking with Musiala at the 10. So Muller, he's going to be a striker, right? Yeah, that's where he's going to play. He's going to be competing with Eric Maxim Chupomoting. Two players who at this stage of the career probably did not expect to be competing against each other for playing time. Muller, of course, is is not a natural striker. Uh, Chupo is. Uh, Muller, although Nagelsmann has claimed that he sees Chupo as more of a 10, which to me strikes, it still strikes me as weird. But anyway, uh, I don't think this is going to be a successful venture for Muller. I don't think at this point, not only is he not really equipped to play the role of striker that, that Bayern Munich would need him to, but he's, I don't think he's engaged in it. I don't think he wants to do it. And if a player like Muller at this point in his career is not fully bought into what role he's been given, I don't think you're going to get good performances out of him. And that's really unfortunate because this team needs a striker. I, I don't know if Muller could, even at his best, could fulfill that role. But right now, he's looking at a point of not even being a starting player because Chupo, for all his strengths and his weaknesses right now looks like he could be the player who that they're who Bayern Munich and Julian Nagelsmann are going to lean on at this point because he's just been productive when given the opportunity and for Chupo I think you know it's fair right now to consider him the starter over Thomas Muller now ultimately whatever happens with this whole situation we'll see but as of now, Moeller, I think, will get the first chance to to excel in that role. But I think he's going to be on a short leash because Julian Nagelsmann doing all of this experimenting, doing all of this moving people around is going to struggle. Two of the other positions that are up for a battle, of course, are left wing and right wing. Uh, left wing, you'll see Sadio Mane and Kingsley Coman, which is curious that Leroy Sané was not here at that position because he has been most effective as a left wing. So we're going back to the situation where Mane or Sané is now considered a right wing, a position that he's not all that in favor of playing, which is very interesting to me that Nagelsmann would make that call. But let's take a look at the left wing position first, where Coman and Mane are doing battle. Again, I think this is set up for disaster. I think Mane has been a good addition. I still don't think he was he was a necessary addition to the Bayern Munich roster because you already had Coman. You already had Gnabry. You already had Sané. You had Musiala. I didn't see any need for Mane. He's here. It doesn't matter what I think now. But with Mane, he's going to get every opportunity when he comes back from injury to have that starting role. 
He was brought here to be that marquee player. He is not going to be someone who Nagelsmann puts on the bench. And I don't think Mane would stand for it either. If he got benched, I think there would be a lot of griping, despite the fact he seems to be a great guy and all reports about him or that he is a fantastic teammate. I don't know that he's been in a spot where he's been benched. And it could become an issue if Coman is able to put together a string of performances like we've seen him do in the past. Will Coman get that opportunity? I don't even know because I think Mane is going to be given every chance. Now, if there is some delay in Mane's return after his injury, if Coman can come in and show that he's still got that magic, what happens? What What is Julian Nagelsmann going to do if he's in a spot where he's got this player in Mane who the Bayern has invested into in terms of his salary, who they have made him the star player of the team, if he gets outperformed by Coman, someone who has been with the club all these years and who has a proven track record of being an electric player, how does Nagelsmann handle it? Does he play the guy who wins the job or does he stick with the marquee guy who was brought here to be the star player? I'll be fascinated to to see that play out if it happens, but I don't even think Coman's going to get much of an opportunity at this point. I think we're going to see much more Mane than Coman. As for the Sané Gnabry competition, Man, that is a tough one because Gnabry, as we have said many times, is a roller coaster ride of performances. Some days he's great and a world-class player. Other days he is not great. Sané has done all of his best work either at left wing or in the attacking midfield, depending on Bayern Munich's formation. His worst performances have have really come as being that inverted winger. And, and, and I will say that I think the talent level of Gnabry and Sané is they're both off the charts talented. I think I'd give Sané just a, a bit of an edge in the natural talent level. I think Gnabry's a little bit more of a grinder, even though he is talented as well. Uh, how this plays out, I don't know. And it's I think it's going to be Nagelsmann trying to guess who the hot hand is between them. Sané has the absolute potential to go on tremendous runs of, of being just a massive factor in, in an attack. Gnabry, as we've seen, can really hit those highs, but has some really low lows as well. I think Nagelsmann is going to just guess. I think he's going to to try and use his analytics and, and, and evaluate practices to see who the hot hand is. And I think that's what he's going to do and ride them. How do I think all of this plays out? I think it's going to be a disaster. I, I don't think pitting these players against each other, if this report is true, is going to work out the way Nagelsmann thinks it will. I think he's going to create a lot more unhappy players. And I think this is really going to be a tough stretch for Nagelsmann if he cannot get the team into a situation where they are winning consistently, no matter who he rolls out. Uh, Because every time that he has that team take the pitch, he's going to be questioned about his squad selections, whether it's Muller at striker, whether it's Sané at right wing, whether it's Coman at left wing or whoever. Aside of Musiala, who will, I'm sure, be there in just about every game, He's going to have people questioning his moves at those other three spots in the uh, 4-2-3-1 formation that he is allegedly going to be running for this second half of the season. So lots of stuff to keep an eye on there. I think you really have to be aware of what uh, Nagelsmann is thinking. You have to try and guess what he's going to do. But uh, this is going to be wild to watch play out if this is all true, because I just think there's there's this is going to create a combustible situation for that roster and in that locker room. Uh, the fourth thing that we learned this week is that there was a ridiculous 
swap rumor out there between Chelsea and Bayern Munich that involved Kingsley Coman and Christian Pulisic. Now, being the PA guy that I am, you would you would think I'd be all on board for Christian Pulisic. And yes, I'd I'd be on the Pulisic train. Buy me a ticket right now, get him to Bayern Munich, and I, I will think it's great. This move will never, ever, 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 ever happen. Uh, I don't think Bayern Munich, for as much as it likes to have international stars and it likes to corner markets, and, and, and knowing what Pulisic would do to bring American fans to Bayern Munich, I, I think Bayern, from a business standpoint, would love that. Even from a sporting standpoint, Pulisic could, he's so versatile, he could fill so many roles, right? Like he can play as an attacking midfielder, he can play on either wing. He can do a lot and be that versatile type of player that Julian Nagelsmann, I'm sure, would love to have. Kingsley Coman, however, is just, you know, he's a tremendous talent. He's a proven commodity. He scored a Champions League game-winning goal. He's got the resume. I don't think this is a fit for either player, mostly because I don't feel like that Coman or Pulisic will gain from it because both players right now are stuck in positions where they are on clubs that have just an ample amount of attackers. And aside of just playing time being an issue, what really gets better if Coman goes to Chelsea? I mean, is he going to be giving any more of a chance? Same for Pulisic if he went to Bayern Munich. So I don't think that rumor has any validity to it. It was kind of fun to read about and to think about because, again, like if you're me, you're loving life thinking about Pulisic and getting him to Bayern Munich, but I don't put any really any credence in that. Uh, as for the fifth thing that we learned this week, this was another kind of interesting transfer rumor that we saw and this one has bounced around a lot with Bayern Munich allegedly having interest in Atletico Madrid's yeah yeah I'll feel it now Felix of course is a dynamic talent someone who is highly rated by just about everyone but his performances on the pitch have never really matched up to what his potential is what his uh paycheck is and how much he is worth in the transfer market Nothing adds up for Felix in any of those categories. So Bayern Munich's decision to pass on him, I'm not surprised at. I don't think he really had a position to where he would have been a natural fit at Bayern Munich. Now, if if Nagelsmann was still running that four triple two, you might have a position for Felix because it was more uh, widespread, more versatile attack with players interchanging. You didn't necessarily need that, that striker at the top of the formation, but Felix, I think, is more of a 10 than anything, at least in my eyes. And and with that, maybe even a second striker, but you know, however you want to differentiate attacking midfielder and second striker, you have at it. But I don't feel like he's a natural striker. I think he can play wing, but it's not his best position. I really compare him a lot to Kai Havertz in terms of the type of player they are and what they can do. So it wouldn't really shock me that that Bayern Munich would have some interest in Felix. But I I would say if if Bayern was going to spend a lot of money on that type of player, they would probably feel more comfortable in pursuing Kai Havertz than Yao Felix. So those are the five things that we learned this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed that pretty long rant I went on about Germany because I've really been bothered by that performance of this squad uh, for a few days, and it's I wanted to get that off my chest, so I was glad I was able to do that here. As far as the entertainment rundown goes, man, I am such a big slacker. I now have a backlog of things I have to watch, including Cobra Kai, which I'm way late on, and or, of course, because I'm a Star Wars geek, I would 
really want to do that as well. So I've got things I need to watch. I've got to catch up on some things. I promise I will start that once life slows down a little bit for me, but it's been a pretty wild ride, uh, both personally and uh, professionally of late. So bear with me on that. And we'll get back to talking about some of the shows that I have been streaming. Otherwise, I guess that'll wrap it up. I appreciate you guys sticking in. Uh, please drop some comments here. Cause I'm very interested to, to see what you guys thought about where that blame should be placed on Germany. Um, Hansi Flick and the coaching staff, the players, both. I want to hear it because to me, it was an all-out all abject failure among everyone involved. Uh, I was very disappointed, as you can tell. So thanks again for listening. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our guy, Tom the Tweetmeister Adams, at TommyAdams71. Hashtag English Tom. I'm sure he's having a great time as England is still live at the recording of this podcast. I need no name at BFWINNN and all of our great writers and podcasters on the site. Please check them out. Please read their stuff. Please uh, check out any of the other podcasts that we have. Of course, we cannot wait for Bayern Munich to get back on track so we can get our normal lineup, which will include, of course, the pregame, postgame, the weekend warm up, and our flagship show. So, have a great weekend. Have a couple of beers on me. Enjoy these final days of the World Cup. Even though Germany's not there and maybe the team that you're supporting is not there, it's still fun for this to happen every four years and you should enjoy it. So all that said, we'll see you next time.